Welcome to Holland, a podcast to share stories of unexpected blessings and struggles with being a mom to an extraordinary kid or kids. I'm your host, Abby Character. I always say everyone has a story. Four years ago, with the birth of my superhero, I began hearing the stories of other moms who were walking similar paths as us. And those stories have blessed me in so many ways. It's my hope that by sharing these stories that other moms can be uplifted, encouraged, and strengthened in their faith and this journey of special needs. Melissa and Mike have been married for 19 years. They have two sons, Matthew, who's 16, and Micah, who is 14. They're a homeschooling family with super smart kiddos. I've known Melissa since before either of us had kids, and I've been blessed by her strength, love, and faith as she's walked this journey of special needs. So, hey, Melissa. Hey. All right. Now, we're going to start with our icebreaker questions, and you have no clue what I'm going to ask you. Okay. So, on the spot. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be, and who would play you? It would definitely be action-adventure. Mm-hmm. Most people don't see that side of me, but I do have an action-adventure person deep down inside that comes out every once in a while. I don't know who would play me, though, but definitely that would be the genre. Yeah, well, you've done, like, karate. I have. And you... Not many people know that, though. Now they all do. <laughs> and you used to... And you've done mission trips overseas. I and, have. Yeah. Have. You do have an adventure spirit. What would your dream house be like? My dream house um, would not be super big, but it would have to have a big rocking chair wraparound porch on some serious acreage. Yes. Just a lot of space and some acreage, Um, some open spaces, but also some wooded areas and a little quiet trickling stream. That would be perfect for me. (laughs) I would love that, too. I would definitely, I could go for that. What's one dessert you could eat all day long? I could either eat cherry cheesecake all day long or any kind of ice cream. And I think the ice cream came from the fact that my first job was at Dairy Queen and I (laughs) served ice cream and I ate ice cream every day that I worked there for since from when I was a senior in high school until even a couple years into my teaching career. Oh, wow. I worked there for a long time. And so ice cream. I could do that. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I'd probably get tired of it, maybe for a few minutes. Ice cream, you can change up the flavors, you oh, know, put something true. different in it and change it a lot. So, yeah, it's like having the same thing, but not having the same thing. Have you ever had um, Junior's Cheesecake? I have not. We just went to New York City mm-hmm. with my 13-year-old. And he, that everyone said, you have to go to Junior's, you have to go to Junior's. So we did. And they have cheesecake there. And it, I don't know if they had cherry, but it was really good. If they were good, they'll have to look it up. We'll have to try it. It is, it was good. Just don't eat like a full meal there because you won't have room for cheesecake. Okay. The portions are huge. So it's really good. All right. Quick questions. Traveler or homebody? Traveler. Book reader or Netflix binger? Book reader. What's the last book you read? Oh, I'm reading one right now called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Uh And I'm only a few chapters in, but it's really good so far. Who's it by? Uh, Lisa Turkhurst. And so it's about when you think your life is going to be one way and it ends up being something different, not what you planned. So I'm only on chapter three or four, but it's it's good. Ooh, that one sounds good. I like books like that. Okay. Cat person or dog person? Dog. Mountains or beach? Beach. Morning person or night owl? Neither, but if I had, just because schedules don't really allow either, but if I could, I would be a night owl because I like to 
I would prefer to sleep in, but life just doesn't allow me to sleep in. You know, 8, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, that would be ideal for me. Yes. I'd love to stay up late, but sleep in. And since I can't sleep in, yeah. Know. Our kids don't <laughs> allow it. Even everybody's like, oh, you'll have more time when they get older. But no, they have things they have to go do. So never time. All right. So tell me, start, go ahead and tell me a little bit about your story and about yourself and Okay. Sure. Um, I grew up in Ohio and with my mom and my dad, and I have two brothers. I'm the oldest of three children. And I would say I lived a pretty normal life. Um, I knew from the time I was in elementary school that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to be a mom, have a husband and a family, but I wanted to be a teacher. And I knew that from the time I was nine or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had my plan. I had this plan in my mind of, you know, what life was going to be like, you know, as much as you could when you were mm-hmm. nine or 10. And so I finished high school, went to college and studied education. And then I actually went back to teach at the school where I graduated from. It was a a small Christian school that was preschool through 12th grade. And um, so four years later, I came back and I taught fourth grade. Mm -hmm. I taught fourth grade there for four years. And it was during that time that there was another new teacher there. She was teaching second grade. And they had a youth group reunion type thing where they were kind of getting back together with some of the people they had grown up with in youth group and things. And there was somebody there that she knew um, who wasn't dating anybody and thought that maybe it'd be somebody that I would like. Mm-hmm. And that is how Mike and I met was because she set us up. Um, we She invited a bunch of people over just to play some cards at her house. Mm-hmm. And it was set up so that you were everybody's partner throughout the night. So you didn't play with the same person. So it wasn't awkward that we didn't know each other because we didn't really know a lot of the people there. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we met, and then we went out really on our first date the following week, and that was in February of 1998, mm-hmm. and we were married in July of 1999. And after we got married, I um, continued teaching um, at a different school, though, because we moved. It was a little bit closer to his work, and I taught fifth grade there for one year. And then he decided that he didn't really like his job, and we decided that if we were going to make another move, that we were going to go someplace warmer. And Ohio was not warm, and we didn't <laughs> like the snow, and we were going to go anywhere other than Ohio. And so yeah. he started looking um, in Florida, South Carolina. He wasn't really looking in Georgia, but he had someone call him and said that they wanted to interview him. And so that's how we ended up in Georgia, was that he took a, an engineering position Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Augusta, and we've been here since 2000. Yeah. And when we were here looking at houses with our realtor, our realtor was driving us around, and of course we didn't know the area at all. The only thing I knew about Augusta, Georgia, was that there was, there was a big golf tournament, mm-hmm. and I thought that's what Augusta looked like. And then we moved here, and I realized <laughs> Augusta looks nothing like that. There's a little space in Augusta that looks like that, all green, and the flowers are perfect, and the bushes are beautiful. But not all of Augusta necessarily looks <laughs> looks like that. It was yeah. not my picture of Augusta at all. Um, and you she did dr- better than us because we didn't even know that there was a golf tournament. We mentioned to my dad, we're going to be moving to Augusta. And he's like, oh, yeah, the golf tournament. We're like, what's that? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And so we didn't know anything else about the area at all. And our realtor was driving us around and we drove past a, a Christian school. And she said, this is this Christian school. And. So I thought, you know, Mike had a job, but I did not. So I decided to apply there, and I ended up getting hired to teach second grade uh, there. So I was 
I'd interviewed. I got the job. I'd gone to get the key because I hadn't taught second grade before, and I wanted to look over the books and get some new mm -hmm. ideas because I couldn't use all the stuff I'd used for fourth and fifth grade because now it was my second grade. Mm -hmm. And so I was working on the stuff, and about two weeks later, the principal calls me and said that there was a problem. And she said, I need you to come. I need you to come right now. And don't worry about changing into any other clothes. Just come like you are. And I thought, should I really go like I am? Because I would think I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt at the time. It was in July or something. Mm -hmm. And But I, I did. I didn't change because she told me not to. <laughs> I wanted to obey. <laughs> so I went and she said that there was a problem that their enrollment had changed. And they had hired a certain number of teachers and they didn't need so many. And that I was the last person that had been hired. And she was required to offer all the positions to the people that had been hired. Mm -hmm. And then she finished and said, but there's this opening in our talent development program that's for children with learning disabilities. And if you want that job, you, you can have that one. And she said, go home and think about it and pray about it and let me know in a few days. And I have to say that this job was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> I had the option when I was getting my bachelor's degree to do an elementary education with a special education degree, and mm -hmm. I had no interest at all. I didn't have the patience. I, it, it was just no. It yeah. was just no. So, but I really prayed about it, and I thought, how hard could it be? Because the class size, instead of being 24 or 26, was going to be 6 to 8. Mm -hmm. I was so wrong. <laughs> I did take I did take the job, but the part of it being easy just because there were fewer kids was so off the mark. Nope. I can't I can't even begin to describe what my picture of it was and then what reality was. Yeah. They just weren't they were not the same. And I will say that those two years of teaching were probably the most rewarding two years. I mm. went in knowing nothing. <laughs> I know that sounds really bad thinking that you have a teacher who will say I don't but I had to learn about all these oh, different yeah. things and every kid it was something different and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to teach children with these different learning issues and so I had to really research you know and then to try to apply what we were doing to to help them and to mm -hmm. help them be successful and it was definitely two very rewarding years. Awesome. Um, the second year, um, I was pregnant the entire time with Matthew. Mm -hmm. And so that was why I left that position. Um, Mike and I had already decided that when our kids were young, that I was going to stay home with them. And at least until they were old enough to go to school and then they were going to go to school and, <laughs> you know, I could go back to teaching or whatever. And, you know, we had our plan. Yeah. Uh, our plan didn't work out exactly like we thought it would, but um, there's a few curveballs. And yeah. I would say that, that was the first real thing in my life that wasn't the way I thought it was going to be mm -hmm. and the way I wanted it to be. But looking back now, it's just a way to see how God was preparing me for what he had. Yeah. And I couldn't see that at the time because I was actually angry that how can you tell someone they have a job and then tell them they don't have a job? I just thought the whole thing about it was wrong. Yeah. And But now looking back, it's just God and what he was preparing us for. Mm -hmm. um, so Matthew was born in May of 2002. Mm -hmm. And we had issues immediately. Um, he, his first APGAR score was one. 
a total of one, not multiple one, just a one. Um, and so, of course, they call a bunch of people. And yeah. even at five minutes, I think he got a five. So, but after that, he never went to the NICU or anything. He just went to the regular nursery. And so I don't, again, I don't know what happened there, but. You just kind of block it out of your mind, but then bring it up. Like, I wonder what was going on, right? Yeah, I don't really know. But mm-hmm. so we brought home this baby and he was perfect at the hospital and we got home and he did nothing but cry. Cry and cry and cry. <laughs> I could not get him to stop crying. And it was maybe um, two weeks later, we got a letter in the mail, and maybe a little bit less than that, mm-hmm. and it said that he did not pass the newborn hearing screening. And then you go in for your first checkup with the pediatrician, and she said, oh, don't worry about this. This happens all the time, and, you know, they'll go and do it again, and they pass. This happens. It happens frequently. Yeah. So we went back and we had it done again and he failed again and again. I don't know how many times we went, but he failed every time we went. It was a lot. <laughs> it was quite a few. It was a lot. And then we went and did a more sophisticated test where they can actually tell by looking at the brain waves what he's actually hearing. Mm-hmm. And he was about two months old, two and a half months old maybe. And they said it has to be something really loud for him to hear. And they thought that it was in the moderate hearing loss range. Mm-hmm. So we got him hearing aids when he was three months old. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of the person who says, you know, if you tell me something can't be done, I'm going to do everything I can within my power to prove you wrong. So right. <laughs> anyone who wants something done, they just have to tell me that it can't be done mm-hmm. and I will do everything I can to prove them wrong. And, you know, the audiologist said he would probably never learn to speak and things like that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Y'all just have to meet Matthew. <laughs> Should have had him come just to talk. Because he can speak very clearly. <laughs> he does. And the thing is, is he doesn't, if you didn't see him, you wouldn't know that he can't hear. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't sound, he, his speech sounds pretty pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had hearing aids. And then um, there were some family things that we kind of knew to watch for that he could um, inherit. And so he was doing pretty well with a lot of his developmental milestones, except for the fact that he was still crying all the time. And we could not get him to stop crying. And, okay, I shouldn't say that. There were periods of the day he did not cry. <laughs> he especially liked to cry around 5 o'clock until about 9 o'clock, which was when Mike oh, was so home from work. And he, <laughs> oh, wow. Mike would just hold him on his stomach and just kind of... You know, almost like bounce, not bounce him, but just kind of like a little vibration. Anything, right. Just, he didn't really like the vibrating chair, but if you held him against you and kind of, you know, just a little bit of vibrating, he would stop. But it was, your arms couldn't stop. They had to keep (laughs) him moving. And there were just, you know, other just odd things. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very frequent for him to just, after nursing, completely throw up everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as a new mom, you get worried because there's no measure of what he took in. So you don't really. And yeah. so, of course, like, oh, he's growing. It's it's not a big deal because he was growing. He was getting longer. He was growing in weight. So, mm-hmm. you know, me, I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And I, I guess Maybe I should just... just go along with this. And we did. And then, um, you know, around 10, 11 months, when you expect kids to kind of start crawling or things he attempted to but um 
it was more of an army crawl, mm-hmm. and his arms could pull him, but you know his legs just didn't want to really support his weight. And even mm-hmm. when he, you'd stand up and put him along the furniture, he was cr- fine with cruising, but did not have the balance or even the strength in his legs really to stand up or hold himself up. Mm-hmm. And so we had an evaluation done for physical therapy, and it kind of fit in with what kind of what we were looking for. But the other odd thing was that he had, his stomach was so big and the pediatrician just felt that it was the difference in his percentile charts that he was very average on the height Mm -hmm. chart, but at the 90 something with percentile for weight. And again, I thought, well, that makes sense. If you're shorter, Mm -hmm. that it seemed fine at the time, but looking back, I'm like, that doesn't really make sense because I didn't even think that he would be chunky all over. And he mm-hmm. was very normal looking all over, but he just had this really big belly. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the next thing that really um, stands out was that um, his eye was doing something weird. <laughs> that's, a, I think that's still <laughs> how I describe it. Yeah. It was just very wiggly. And so then we went to the eye doctor. Uh-huh. And he didn't really think it was a big deal. Um but then we started having an issue with his eyes turning in, like crossing. Yeah. Um, and we d- he did have surgery twice when he was five to fix that. But before that, um, just uh, we finally got, we went to see a genetics person. And they ask you a bunch of questions. And, of course, the answer is no, 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 no. None of, none of the questions they were asking applied to us. Mm-hmm. None of them. And I don't really know what tests they ran, to be honest. The first ones, but they did um, a several other tests, and it came back that he had some disease that we had never heard of, and everyone pronounces incorrectly, and it's Gaucher disease, mm-hmm. but it's spelled G-A-U-C-H-E-R. It's, you know, mm-hmm. all these French people that they name things after. I know. No one can pronounce them. Well, yeah, like, because <laughs> NF used to be called von Recklinghausen disease. It'd be so much easier if they just changed it to something easy. I know. Yeah. Then they changed it to neurofibromatosis, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> it's just an F, everybody. It's just an F. Just call it an F. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, we knew nothing about this disease, and so we started looking up some stuff, and that was the good part, because now we had a diagnosis, and the things kind of started to fit together. Okay, he has this mm-hmm. big belly, which is probably causing him to throw his food up, because there's not his stomach is all probably squished in there. And so, how old was he when you guys got his He diagnosis? was 21 months old. Okay. And I was pregnant with Micah. Yeah. And so, I was super emotional, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you that your child has this rare disease that you don't know anything about. And it wasn't a time when it was easy just to go and search on the internet. Like, you, I mean, today right. you could go and, you know, find whatever right. you want. And it was at your fingertips. We had dial-up internet. So, to get anything, you had to wait 10 minutes for the page to load. Right. And then if you wanted to go to the next page, it was another 10 minutes. Unless you got knocked off. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> it was like, awful. And so just trying to learn about it, um, the whole, it was just an odd time. And then when we knew what was wrong and that there was a treatment that we could fix, help with it, just the insurance nightmare. Yeah. Months. It took months oh. for the insurance to be like, oh, you know, all this so, he was 20 months old. He got his first infusion of enzyme replacement therapy 
the day before Micah was born. It was in April. See, I know the day just because it was the day before Micah's birthday. So it was yeah. April 26th of 2004. Mm-hmm. And Micah was born on April 27th. Yeah. Now, that was a planned thing. So we it wasn't like it, labor was induced because it was so dramatic or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, yeah. And then Mike left the job he had mm-hmm. three weeks later. And so <laughs> we had just been through this insurance deal and so that whole thing was just crazy because we finally got it approved and mm-hmm. leaving the job he was at would bring him to an, a job much closer to home and all the things seemed very there were a lot of positive reasons for him to t- take this other job mm-hmm. and so thankful that it all worked out he didn't miss any infusions the awesome. bad part about it was that if we stayed in Georgia and got his treatments we had to pay some outrageous amount, but if we went to South Carolina, it was covered 100%. Oh so, um, he has to get these infusion, IV infusions every other week. Right. So, his second infusion, I have a 13-day-old and a just-turned-two-year-old that yeah. doesn't walk. Right. Okay. Um, so, I, I have to drive to South Carolina, which isn't that far, but I had to go to Aiken. Aiken was the nearest place I could yeah, go. Right. It's like 30, 45 minutes away. Yes. Yeah, so non-Augustans. Having to be there at a time, and you've got a nurse a baby, and you've got a child that has to eat and nap, and right, it, it it was it was it was hard. Yeah, and so we, but the people there were phenomenal. I have to say, the nurses there were great. I could not have asked for anything better, even though I had to go to South Carolina. <laughs> um, and then it wasn't that long; it was less, just under a year before we were able to start having them done in Georgia, which right. made it a little bit closer. I just had to go downtown. To mm-hmm. make it a little bit closer and easier. But it was hard, you know, entertaining a two-year-old yeah. for four hours mm-hmm. and a newborn. Mm-hmm. And But I I will say that the nursing staff was amazing. They yeah. brought in a baby swing. They brought in toys oh, from awesome. their houses. Yeah. They brought in preschool videos wow. and things for Matthew to watch. So I couldn't have asked for anything better mm-hmm. with that. Um. So, it was also around that time that we found out that we knew that there were several types of Gaucher disease, type Mm -hmm. 1, type 2, and type 3, with type 1 being the most common and the least serious. Mm -hmm. And we found out right around, I guess it was maybe after the third infusion or so, that Matthew had type 3. And type 3 has um, serious neurological implications and they had done some genetic testing to see exactly which mutation he had. And the mutation that he had was considered a severe mutation for that type. And, of course, I go back on the Internet yeah. and find, wade through what almost non-existent literature there was. And mm-hmm. it was saying that only 50% of children with that mutation live beyond childhood or adolescence. And so now I have a newborn. And just turned two-year-old, and they're telling me that my child is not, you know, of course, I'm still super emotional. Right. And Oh, yeah, your hormones me, are raging like, anyway. To me, it was like they're saying that your child's going to die. That's right. basically the way I took that. And I know it said 50-50, and now I probably wouldn't see it the same way. But at that time, still, it was just yeah. devastating. It was. And I was like, this is not the plan. Mm-hmm. This, this is not the plan. My plan was, you know, get a degree, get, have, get married. You and your husband, you have children, you live happily ever after. And yeah. I just didn't think that this fit the happily ever after at all. No. Um, <laughs> so, 
So, and, you know, at that time, I really struggled with, I, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, you know, now you can look back. But I definitely had to go through a time of where I didn't understand this. It was a time of grief. And I had to get moved beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely took a while. But yeah. now, looking back, it's a, it's a lot easier to look back and see how God was all in that, even from the position that I had, my last teaching position, yeah. was preparing me for what he had for our family. Mm-hmm. So, looking back, that's really cool. Um, I could probably wrap up the rest of my life pretty quickly. Um, our kids did, did go to school for a while, and then we just really felt that the school system, they were trying, but they could not meet the needs they couldn't meet Matthew's needs, and then they couldn't meet Micah's needs. They had very different needs. Yes. Um, but the school, I mean, they tried. I will say they had some great teachers that I really do feel tried, but we just felt like we could better serve them at home where mm-hmm. we could individualize things for them, yeah. um, things that were harder we could take more time in, things that were easy for them, you know, we could dive more deeply into Mm -hmm. and so that is how we ended up in the homeschooling world (laughs) not necessarily what we had again planned but what god had for us um and so when i started that i kind of started with what i knew Mm -hmm. which i kind of started with a curriculum that i was several different curriculums that i was familiar with Mm -hmm. we don't use any of those now Not that they were bad I or anything. I told you that would happen. <laughs> they weren't bad or anything. I know. Um, you know. You're just like, this is great. It was fun. Now I can figure it out on my own. <laughs> and I think I was just nervous about just not doing normal. You know, to me, this is like, you just, you do this and you do this. And no. But have you done normal the whole time you've had kids? No. No. <laughs> but I thought maybe that what was like one part anymore? of normal. <laughs> that was me one, my one piece of normal. What is normal? So Matthew is, because um, you mentioned neurological issues, I will say this. the One of the biggest things I remember about Matthew, besides that he and Zoe used to be like buds and play all that. We used to get together and play. It was so much fun watching them when they were little, like two and three years old. I remember that. and But I also remember sitting in church nursery and Matthew sitting there at... He wasn't even two yet. And here, you know, Zoe's like crawling around eating crayons and stuff. Matthew's <laughs> sitting down with a book reading and showing everybody the shapes and the colors and the words. And we're all like, so neurological issues. Yeah. So he he kind of defied that one a and little bit. And books are still his favorite thing. He will yeah. still sit and read books. And when he's done with his schoolwork, he'll just go and get some more books to read. Oh, yeah. He still loves, loves to read. Yeah. Um, That's like um, most of my kids. You should see our house on like library day. There's no noise. It's so nice. (laughs) Whenever it gets too noisy, I'm like, we're going to the library and then we're good. (laughs) So that's what they do. They love it. So Matthew is now, uh, what grade is he? He's a junior. So he's He's a junior. He is. And so um, we've been so fortunate with the dual enrollment opportunities where the things that he enjoys and likes to explore, he's able to take some college classes, and Micah takes some college classes, too. Completely opposite subjects. Matthew's oh, yeah. all into the English and the history. Yeah. Micah, you just give him as many math things as you can, and he'll just go with that. Oh, that's So, fun. they are complete opposites when it comes to what they like to study. Yeah. Complete opposites. That's so funny. So. But I just love that. I love that part about Matthew's story is because he's he's totally defying odds and 
breaking the rules for his Yes, he, is. he definitely learned to speak. And then there was yeah. time when we weren't sure he was going to learn to walk. He didn't walk until he was three, but he did mm-hmm. learn to walk. And um, he's been able to participate in a lot of things that he's enjoyed. He did taekwondo for a while, and then he mm-hmm. did swimming, and now he's doing archery. So, again, those are all things where he's able to get out and kind of find new things that he enjoys. Yeah. And that's been good, too. It's pretty amazing. Um, hopefully, I can, like, post a... You'll have to send me a picture. I'll post you guys. Y'all's okay. Picture. I need to do that. Make sure I post pictures of everyone on here. So, um, and does he still get... Does he still get the infusion treatments every other week? He or does. Is he does. Okay. He and still gets he have to do that the rest of his life? Or is that a... Well, there's a lot of new things coming out. And so mm-hmm. there is now an oral medication. It doesn't work for everybody. Okay. And... He's, you know, made, and it's not approved for under 18 yet, okay. but he'll, even if it doesn't happen the next couple of years, he will be 18 and could maybe try it. Yeah. Um, that would really free up things a lot because if yeah. you have to have, be at home every other week. Yeah. So I just take my calendar for the beginning of the year and I mark off half of them. We can't go on, we can't go away for an entire week. You right. can just take out half a week and then look at what you have left and mm-hmm. say, well, we can't go here or there. And then that's what you're left with. Yeah. And so the flexibility that would come from that. Awesome. And there are some other new things that they're coming out with where I think now they're doing a lot more testing with medications that are used to treat one thing, but mm-hmm. they're finding that they treat other things as well. Yeah. And there is one um, that does seem to be helping and also with the neurological issues, but it's not available in the United States. It's not available in North America at all. So, I actually do know people who are getting it from a pharmacy in Germany. Mm-hmm. But then, since it's not an approved medication, the, the patent expired. It's a patent issue. Why it's not available? They, you have to have someone hand carry it. They can't ship it to you. Because when it would come in, it would be not an approved thing. Mm-hmm. So, you have to know people who are traveling to Europe and can bring it back in their suitcase and things like that. But there are people who are doing it. And it's That's expensive. Right. So... How rare is Gaucher's disease? Uh, Gaucher is pretty rare. There's about 5,000 people on the registry that are in the United States. And so worldwide, there'd be more. But when Matthew was first diagnosed, we went and saw several of the leading specialists in the United States. And we still do. Mm -hmm. Um, This one was in Pennsylvania at the time. And we asked him, so how many people have type 3? And he told us in the world, there were 50. Wow. 50 people in the world that were known. And that's when things just became, okay, this is really rare. Yeah. Very rare. And I think it was, looking back again, why sometimes you're misdiagnosed or it's hard to diagnose because you're not dealing with a large population. Just for a type 1 person, a doctor may only see a few people in their entire career. And to see a type 3, many at the time would never have seen any. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, because ME's NF is like the most common rare disease. It's like one in 3,000 for NF1. So we have a better chance when we go to the doctor. But of course, now with the Hermoya Moya, it's one in a million. <laughs> That's great. You have yeah. to spell the word uh-huh. and explain what it is. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, I know you've probably done that several times. Quite a few times. Yes. Yeah. Even to medical people, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's actually more like this. And, yeah. Yeah. So we are our kids' medical experts. <coughs> so what's been the biggest challenge of having to deal with the special needs side of things? 
the biggest challenge in our situation is one of them is what I already mentioned is just the scheduling issues where you want to go and be able to do things and you have to schedule everything around an infusion, which we're fortunate now to be able to have at our house. We do have a home health nurse that comes and it does mm-hmm. make things a lot easier because we don't travel somewhere. Yeah. And then um, it has to be shipped to my house and it can only be shipped from one place yeah. in the country. And so I've got to arrange shipping schedules about, I got to, fortunately they'll not leave it. I feel comfortable with them leaving it on my front porch if I know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. And they, I do get a message saying that it's coming at such and such time because it has to be refrigerated. Right. So... <laughs> and then I used to have to have people babysit the medicine while we would go out of town because I was afraid, you know, in the summer, what if we have a thunderstorm and the power goes out right. or an ice storm in the winter and the power goes out right. and you've got this expensive medication in your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not quite as obsessed with that anymore. I have kind of relaxed in that area. I would say that's a challenge, but the other challenge is just the unknown because there's a whole host of symptoms that may or may not develop and some of them really are significant seizures and things like that and so you never know so you watch out for things and you Mm -hmm. don't know and you have like emergency medications because you know you never know and so i think that's one of the hardest things even just you don't know right i'm a planner yes i like to be organized and i like to plan (laughs) i need to make my list i need to mark things off my list Mm -hmm. i find great joy Yes. And marking things off my list. Yes. So when I cannot make a list, that's really hard for me. Right. <laughs> so I can't make a list on the unknown. Yeah. And I think the other hard thing is Gaucher disease is an expensive disease. Mm-hmm. And insurance, just the way insurance changes or if the thought of even changing jobs now, it's almost unthinkable. Yeah. Because... We know what the insurance pays for. We know how mm-hmm. it works. We know this is what you do. We know this is of this. These are, again, the steps yes. to follow. Yeah. You do this and this and this. And the thought of changing, it almost induces fear because right. I just, there have been many years where his medical expenses will be over a million dollars a year. Yeah. And probably the lowest I would say would be half a million. Mm-hmm. And so the thought, and you know how your insurance works. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, you know kind of what your deductible and co-pays are going to be. And so again, there's that somewhat of a plan. Yeah. You know what to expect. You can expect something. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say those are the biggest challenges. Yeah. I think so. I think that's, I mean, Mark and I talked about that too. That's the the fear of the unknown when you are a planner and you have no clue what it's going to look like in the future. It is so hard. And I thought it was hard when he was younger. And now that he's 16, almost 17, and we're talking about, you know, college and the future. And it's hard for us to see what that looks like because it's hard for me to see what next year looks like sometimes. Yeah. Um. You know, he just got his driver's permit. (laughs) (laughs) I've been riding with Zoe. (laughs) I'll just say this. We have never left the parking lot yet. We are still in the parking lot stage. (laughs) Fun. And Mark's always like, you go ride with Zoe. Like, why does it have to be me? Why am I the one that has to go through this? All by myself. You need to do it. So, yeah. but no, he's really good. We split up the yeah. responsibility of screaming in the passenger seat. Matthew just processes things very slowly. He's right. a very slow processor. Mm-hmm. So I don't worry about Matthew 
per se, because Matthew is going to be the rule. He's going to be the rule follower. Mm-hmm. If it says you stop this many feet from the railroad thing, you know, he would probably almost get out and measure it with a tape measure to make sure he's exactly that <laughs> many feet from the railroad tracks. Yeah. But it's, you know, a lot of other things happen yeah. on the road. Mm-hmm. I, I have nearly hit people and I'm a good driver. Yeah. And it's just severe. Again, driving is very un- unpredictable. And yeah. If it was very predictable, that would be so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that one. Yeah. Amy gets up there, but yeah. So I get it. The whole unknown. I mean, we've dealt with something even just this morning. Like, is this weird? Is this normal? Is this enough? Is this moya moya? Is this, what are we dealing with mm-hmm. right here? And you just have to constantly put on that chill. I don't know if you have to, like, I'm like, I'm going to check on it, but I've got to act calm. <laughs> or I'll freak everybody else out. And I can't freak everyone else out. Right. It's not going to help anyone else. What's been the biggest blessing having Matthew? The biggest blessing is that it, it has forced me to be a person who has to stop and slow down. Yeah. I'm like a, I'm at point A and there's point B and that's, I just got to get there. And I just have to step back mm-hmm. and stop because Matthew's speed is not society's speed. It's a right. much more la- very laid back. I think about when he was swimming. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I want you to just go and for your four laps, I want you to swim as fast as you can. He's like, I'm just here to have fun. You know, I'm just gonna, <laughs> like, oh. you know, the, the point, it's a race, you know, and right. I can kind of get into that mindset that life is, you know, it's all about this race that, but it's in one sense it is and in another it's not. And so I've had, it really forces me to step back and stop. And then when I stop and slow down, I see the joy in the little things that I would have overlooked, but yeah. I would have missed. Um, but, and I can think of one time in particular, I was really, really upset because there were weeds in my garden and it was the spring and mm-hmm. it had been sitting there all winter. And of mm-hmm. course, in their raised beds, but of course the weeds came over the winter and they were growing because it was spring and I was out there with my shovel and everything and I was all upset and I was thinking, this was supposed to be the curse on... Wasn't this Adam saying, right. you know, the curse? Why am I dealing with these weeds and things? And then Matthew was out there and he's like, Mom, the birds must be happy. Do you hear the birds? They're singing. And I was like, oh. You know, and so in that, you know, just to stop and think, to see the the positive mm-hmm. in what may seem negative and to stop and enjoy those moments that may have just been missed because that day yeah. you know the birds they were singing and they were beautiful and uh, i wasn't focused on that that is awesome that's really neat yeah emmy makes us do that too you just have to stop okay Emmy. i see we need to read a book and cuddle gotcha so um i also i remember you sharing with me recently in the past few years about going to his the experts and walking in with Matthew, and they basically, their jaws dropped because they weren't expecting to see him. Mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, and just what, functioning-wise, uh-huh. where he is, mm-hmm. because it it could be a very different story. Yeah. But generally functioning well, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course, that's a comparative thing, you know, and I have to be very careful not to compare Matthew and Micah because, again, they're very different. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but in general, you know, this is a child that's completing high school. He's enrolled in college classes and doing well in them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the online part helps because the lectures are recorded and he can watch them again. Mm -hmm. And if he needs help taking notes on the, you know, I'll sit and help him take the notes. So he has the notes, Mm -hmm. but he's doing the work and sometimes it's just amazing. So it is, I think it's a, it's just a picture of God just saying, you know, how you said, watch this, you tell me you can't do this or he can't do this and watch this. I'm going to help him do it. And I think it's also God saying, watch this. He is going to do it. He is mm-hmm. going to do these things. What has God taught you in this journey? He has definitely taught me that I have to trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my plan, but he has other plans and mm-hmm. his plan is always better. And I don't always see it at the time, but so much of it is looking back and you see when I didn't get the job, I thought I was going to get how much better that was. That was not my plan, but it was so much better. Mm-hmm. And just how so many things are so much better than my plan. That was like a crummy plan, you know? Right. I thought it was so great, but it was not good at all. And right. just to trust. And it's easy to say that you trust when yeah. you don't, when you're not in a position where you have to trust. Yeah. But those times in your life when you have nothing left other than to trust, that's when it becomes real. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that we have seen God provide over and over again. Mm-hmm. Growing up in things, I never had to, we never really worried about, I never worried about anything. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether that wasn't that the things weren't there or my parents shielded us from that that was going on. Mm-hmm. But to see God provide in ways we never could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Not always, I mean, a lot of times financially, whether it's a program, oh, your program covers this thing, and we, have, but yeah. just in other ways as well, where we have seen him provide um, just in ways we never could have thought. And so to walk that, it's more than just saying, oh, yeah, I trust God. I know that God provides. I know that God does that. Mm-hmm. But when you walk that thing, it becomes real for you. Yeah. And then you can take what's real to you and share that with others because I don't think I could have shared that with people. Mm-hmm. We meet a lot of people I would have never come in contact with. I yeah. mean, people, our lives would have never crossed ever. Yeah. And just those people that you meet and that you have the opportunity to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you can share a personal experience it's more real than just, you know, oh, I read this in a book and the book said blah, blah, blah. Right. But when it's real to you and you can make that, share that realness with others mm-hmm. and just to be able to, sh- to share what has been made real in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of an example to how your faith has been stretched and grown. To it see it is because trust, it, trust is a, a big it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And to give, to know that God, I think I know what's going on, but I really don't, but I serve an all-knowing God. Right. And I can, again, trust that this all-knowing God who sees the entire picture, mm-hmm. he sees everything in the past, he sees everything in the future, and he sees how my little puzzle piece fits with the plan that he has. Right. And it's, it's just amazing sometimes when I, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm just like, God, that's really amazing. It is. It is. It is. Um, it's amazing to see our kids that we don't understand why, but we can see the what for. And that it's for his glory and to see them doing everything that they do that others might not have thought that they could do. Or yeah, and I think a lot do. of times situations even affect the way they affect our kids and how they sh- it shapes them into who they are Just, that they wouldn't have been otherwise. I don't think they would have been as um, they're very service 
serving others oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that comes from what we've been through as a family. Mm -hmm. And it really is a family thing. It's not just the child that has a disability. It affects all the members of the Mm -hmm. family and it affects them all very differently. Yeah. Um, But just to see um, their desire to serve others. Yeah. I don't think it would have been the same or as deep as it is. Yeah. Yeah. What verse or verses have carried you over this journey so far? So I went to Christian school and we had to, in the yearbook, our senior year, you know, you had to tell who your favorite teacher was or your favorite subject or I don't remember what it was. I could probably go back. <laughs> I have my old yearbook from ancient times. I know. I think I was in the attic somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I think mine are in the box. We have some, I have like all my high school stuff in a couple Tupperwares in one of the closets. Oh, you're so organized. <laughs> well, the, it's just that we have a closet that if you open the door, <laughs> things might fall out of it because it's right. just, that's where, that is the closet where you just put all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where it I'm is. Saying. And I know it's in one of those boxes and I could dig it out. But we had to, um, to choose a Bible verse that was important to us. And mm-hmm. I really don't know why I chose this Bible verse at the time. But now I'm looking back and I think, wow, that is an amazing verse. And I'm pretty sure that I said it was Isaiah 26, 4, um, which says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. And some of them will say, the Lord is a rock. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you look at verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Mm -hmm. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. And so, again, I think that's really the biggest thing he's taught me is to trust. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's very interesting that I chose that verse. And then the peace that comes from a hope that comes only from God. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, we meet people all the time. They hope this. They hope that. But their hope is wishful. Right. Thing. Like, it may, I hope it's not going to rain later. You know, that right. it might happen, it might not. But the hope that we have in Christ is secure. Mm-hmm. And it's a hope that is sure. It's not a, the wishy-washy. It's, a, it's not the same kind of hope. Mm-hmm. And to think that, you know, that is, that's what I put my trust in, mm-hmm. in my hope in. That's good. <laughs> I can't add to anything you're saying. You're speaking such truth. And you have such joy when you share Matthew's story. And like I said, I've watched you walk this journey for almost 17 years. And you have been such an inspiration to me and I know to other of your friends. We probably don't ever tell you that. But, um, and now as we walk this with Emmy, it's even more um, in my heart watching you. Cause you know, every once in a while I'm like texting you like, okay. So like, you know, so, um, thank you for that. Well, thank you for letting me talk with you today and share You're our story. Welcome. I have one more question. For okay. You. What do you do to relax? It, that really changes over time. I know. Cause we used to scrapbook. That was my relaxing thing. It was, <laughs> Ooh, I can just go and I can put these pages together and now yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I got my scrapbook and stuff out. I don't even think I have mine anymore. I, I have it. It's it's in another section of the closet. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm afraid to open the door. <laughs> it, it, and then for a while, it really was reading books. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure you know that I went started back to school Yeah. last month. Okay. No, no, I didn't know Okay. That. I started back to school last month. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and so I have too much to read <laughs> and too much That's to write. Much. Yeah. And so, you know, books is not my thing. But I actually, there's several um, games that I have on my phone that I enjoy. Yeah. You know, just mindless. Well, uh-huh. they're not all mindless. Sometimes they are mindless. You know, m- mixing candy things is very mindless. Right. You know, word search thingies are, you know, at least the more brain oriented. Right? <laughs> it's just one of the things that morphs over time. Yeah. If I could do it, I would just go lay on the beach, but, you know, oh, the beach yeah. is kind of far away. Yeah, true. I, That is relaxing to me. So I don't think I have one thing Yeah, right now. It's kind of a... A mixture of it things. It is. Especially with going back to school. It is. It's my right. new adventure right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> like I needed another adventure. <laughs> don't we all? Life is it's too boring. You gotta it is. add Sometimes another I mix, guess. especially with our kids. <laughs> So, thank you, Melissa. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thanks for being an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to check out our blog for resources from today's podcast, bunchofcharacters.com. We look forward to sharing more stories on Welcome to Holland. If you or someone you know would like to share a story, please feel free to contact me at hollandtourist at bunchofcharacters.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, too. May God bless you as you continue to live your story.